I was like, what? <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I have no game. Like, I genuinely have no game. But it ended up being just the two of us. It ended up being really lovely. Yeah. Despite my best efforts to impede progress. <laughs> Roxane Gay is a best-selling author whose books include Hunger and Bad Feminist. Debbie Millman is a design legend, and she's the host of the award-winning podcast, Design Matters. Roxanne and Debbie are a power couple, each with their own impressive careers that they've built over decades of work. But they only met each other a few years ago. Their story, though, actually starts back in 2014, after Roxanne published her book, Bad Feminist. Here's Debbie. <laughs> The first time I learned of Roxanne's existence was because of my ex. (laughs) She sent me an email because she hadn't remembered being so impacted by a book before, and it was Bad Feminist. And then I got so enamored by the book, I ended up uh, ordering the Bad Feminist (laughs) t-shirt. My experience of reading Bad Feminist was one of awe at how someone could write about politics and human behavior. There were just so many things that I could relate to and that we had in common, just small sort of quotidian things that led me to believe, if nothing more, we could be best friends. But I think now, in retrospect, I fell in love with Roxanne while reading Hunger. I was stunned by the depth of clarity about oneself. I was so moved by Hunger that I really wanted to talk to her more about it. So I reached out to Roxanne directly and invited her at that point to be on my podcast. At the time, I was not at all into podcasts, so I didn't look it up. And I told her to get in touch with my publicist, Amanda, who's lovely. And Amanda never responded. (laughs) So I waited two or three, four weeks, wrote again, didn't hear back, wrote again, didn't hear back. And I think on the fourth attempt, I got a bounce back. It said that Amanda was no longer working at HarperCollins. I then forwarded that entire exchange to Roxanne saying, you know, looks like Amanda's not there anymore. If you're still willing, I'd love to interview you. At which point she said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm exhausted from all the media. And at that point, I let things sort of simmer. A while later, Debbie sent me another email and she would continue to send some emails where she said incredibly beautiful things about hunger that let me know like that she really read it and really sort of understood what the book was about, which not everyone who's read it can claim. I think I wrote like three times over the course of a year, like three or four months in between each email. I was still trying to get her attention. And so I started to ask people to be on the podcast that I knew Roxanne respected, (laughs) that I'd seen her tweet about. And so I started to reach out to those people thinking that maybe if she saw or heard something about those people through their own social media, that maybe she'd reconsider my invitation. A whole year later after my original email, 
I had drinks with Ashley Ford and a whole bunch of other friends. And Ashley was talking about Roxanne. And then very, very unconsciously, I blurted out, oh my God, I have such a crush on her. And then Ashley blinked a few times and she was like, really? (laughs) And not really like a question. It was really like a statement. (laughs) And that was really the first time I'd uttered it out loud. It was the first moment I acknowledged that this is what I felt. I had been pulled to Roxanne like a riptide. And Roxanne, I hear you typing. No, I'm making notes. (laughs) (laughs) It's just very romantic. I want to like record some of this stuff. (laughs) Because of Ashley's response, I asked if I could write her again saying that Ashley had put in a good word for me and maybe that would pique Roxanne's interest. No one has ever pursued me with the ardor that Debbie pursued me with. And when she emailed me, she emailed me to ask me out on a proper date. I was so charmed by that turn of phrase, take you out on a proper date. And nobody had ever like offered to take me out on a date. And so it was incredibly intoxicating. I just was like, okay, sure. And really that's what she said. Sure. Nothing else. I think, wait, I might have said, next time I'm in New York. See, this is why I take notes. (laughs) Uh, Next time I'm in New York, sure. I didn't want to say, well, when are you going to be in New York? I just was like, okay. And then several months later, I wrote and said, I see you're going to be in New York. Why don't I come to the event? And then after we can go out for a drink. And she said, sure. (laughs) I think it was the longest book line I'd ever seen. So I just was waiting in the auditorium. Well, I didn't Google her, so I didn't know what she looked like. And then there were stragglers. And so I kept telling the stragglers to go ahead of me. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, we're friends. I want to be last. Finally, 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 I was the last person, handed her the book. She looked at me and said, are you Debbie? And I said, yes. And she was incredibly hot. And I just felt so, not only was I thrilled, I was also incredibly nervous because I'm I'm shy in real life and very self-conscious. I was like, oh, she's a 10, I'm a four. Like, what's going to happen here? But we ended up going out to dinner and the conversation flowed really well. She is a consummate conversationalist. And she was so open about what she wanted. I didn't have to guess. And I've spent most of my adult life having to guess what people think and what they feel. She was just like, here's what I feel. Here's why. Here's what I think. And here's what I want. I I can't tell you how sexy it was. It was a great, great date. That night I went back and I just thought, wow, if this works out, like my whole life would change. This was the first time in my life where I wasn't completely frantic (laughs) about where this was going to go. I just had this deep-seated sense that we belong together, and I was just going to wait it out. So I was very patient but present. I started to look up Debbie the day before our second date. She had mentioned that she had recently sold her company. And I was like, oh, I started to see that she was the president emeritus of AIGA. 
AIGA is the American Institute of Graphic Arts. And all of these other incredible accomplishments. I had never been in a relationship with someone who had a public profile similar to mine. It just intrigued me further. Prior to the date, Roxanne had written and asked me if she could bring a friend to our dinner, to our second date, because her friend was a fan of mine. I wanted to show off this, like, really amazing woman I was going on a date with. (laughs) So on the one hand, I was a little bit disappointed that she didn't want to just have one-on-one time with me. But on the other hand, I was like, oh, she's talking to her friends about me. That's a good thing. I I mean, now I recognize, like, oh, what are you doing? Like, what kind of game do you have that you're inviting a friend on a, like, and we were at a sexy restaurant and everything. I was like, what? I don't know what I was thinking. I have no game. Like, I genuinely have no game. But it ended up being just the two of us. It ended up being really lovely, despite my best efforts to impede progress. (laughs) Every year I have a holiday party for my graduate students at my house. And the party was well underway, and I had been drinking Prosecco. And ordinarily, whenever I'm having a party, I do sort of take a break and lock myself in the bathroom just to sort of chill for a bit. And so I took my phone, and I had my Prosecco, and I went to the bathroom, and I I, I called her. And I was like, I think I love you. But she had already texted me that she had asked Alexa when it's okay to say I love you to someone. So I kind of knew that she was hinting. And so I made it easy for her by by saying that that night. One of the things that was a little mysterious about Debbie early in our relationship is that she had just spent this whole year single, deliberately single, getting to know herself and getting to figure out what she likes and what she wants without having to answer to anyone. And... She would not change her plans to see me. And I really respected that. That year of being on my own really changed how I was thinking about who I was, you know, as a person and what I could be worth in the world. And so when she said that, it really solidified like, oh, wow, she loves herself and respects herself and her commitments. And she also loves me. I think the first thing that we did publicly was when I interviewed Roxanne for the On Air Fest. I want to bring Ms. Debbie Millman and Ms. Roxanne Gay to the stage. Welcome to On Air Fest, y'all. They didn't know that we were a couple at that point. So That's true. Then during the interview, I think I said in the interview, well, I think I first fell in love with you when... Plot twist. <laughs> they were really... And it was clear at that point that we were in a relationship and you could hear like the audience gasp. Yeah, there was like an audible gasp. It was hilarious. It was a wonderful, wonderful moment. And finally, she gets this interview she wanted. I hope that it meets her expectations because Lord knows she worked for it. <laughs> And thank you for bringing so much magnificence into the world. Ladies and gentlemen, Roxanne fucking gay. Oh, sit down. (laughs) Thank you so much. 
I listen to Debbie's podcast now. It's very good. I, I frankly think she's the best interviewer in the country right now because she's brilliant. And so Debbie reads pretty much everything before I, I send it off to my editor. She's not afraid to tell me what works and what doesn't work, which is rare. Even though I'll like get in my feelings about it, I do hear the feedback and then I apply it. I really do delight in everything about her. Uh, I feel like we know each other well, but you know, living together has opened up a whole new room Yes, that I didn't know was in the house of love because I'm like, wow. Yeah, no, I, I love living with Roxanne and we're also best friends. So that makes for, I think, a, a really wonderful existence. We had a beautiful wedding planned and it was going to be a huge wedding. Gloria Steinem was going to marry us. But when COVID happened... We began to realize that we were not going to be able to have a 400-person gathering. And also, I sort of came of age as a queer person at a time when marriage was not legal for us. And when your partner got sick, you had no legal recourse. I started to have a lot of anxiety about what if something happens to one of us and we can't be there for each other because we're not legally married and whatever. And then I thought it would be super romantic to just elope. I turned to Debbie and I said, hey, how would you feel about getting married today? (laughs) And True story. (laughs) She said, okay. No, I said, sure. She said, sure. (laughs) (laughs) And so we went to instantmarriagela.com. It's in an office park in Encino. And we went into this little room and we got married beneath a plastic chuppah. And it was really romantic in its own way. Being with Roxanne has definitely changed how I see myself. I've been on a journey of trying to understand who I am for a really long time in therapy. And so... I think the two paths, being with Roxanne and also being on this long journey of trying to understand myself have intersected in a really good way. Because I trust Roxanne so much that I try to believe, you know, her point of view about me in a way that I might not have in the past. And that does impact my self-esteem. You know, I struggle with self-acceptance quite a lot. And I, of course, written about it. And I will say that someone who accepts you, it makes self-acceptance, which is something I never thought was possible, it makes it seem plausible. I may not be there yet, but because this person deems me sort of like worthy, helps. It puts it on the table. I recently met Amanda, and I didn't know that she was the publicist that had been sort of the go-between. And so when Roxanne introduced us and then alerted me to her part in her origin story, I was like, oh, my God, you're the woman that never responded. (laughs) Which was good, because had Roxanne been on the podcast at that point, I actually don't know that things would have sort of unfurled in the way that they did. I wasn't ready at the time, and I don't know that she was either. So when it happened, it was right for both of us. Roxanne Gay and Debbie Millman are partners. 
There are over 400 episodes of Debbie's podcast, Design Matters. And Roxanne has a podcast of her own now, The Roxanne Gay Agenda. Go listen to them both. Partners is made by me, Rishikesh Hirway. I produced, edited, and made the music for the show. Maureen Hoban is my co-producer, Zach McNeese helped edit this episode, and Chloe Parker and Casey Deal are the production assistants. Partners is a MailChimp podcast made in partnership with Radiotopia. Find out more at MailChimp.com presents and at Radiotopia.fm. Thanks for listening.